0: Hello, wonderful listeners. I hope you enjoyed our previous episode. We had such an insightful workshop with Jennifer Mukumbi, and I want to thank all of you for your positive feedback and engagement. Your support means the world to us. Now, if you thought the last episode was exciting, you are in for a treat today. In this new episode, we'll be building upon the ideas and discussions from our previous topic. We'll be exploring diving deeper and perhaps even challenging some of our previous conclusions but before we jump in I'd like to take a moment express my gratitude to our sponsor Omochi Creative your input truly helps shape the direction of this podcast all right let's get started
1: I wanted to pick up on something you said earlier, because you'd mentioned sometimes it can help if you speak to authors at festivals and ask them if they could read your manuscript. Yes. And so by the sound of it, publishing and writing, like most industries, it depends on who you know. Um, And it's hard to do that if you're a writer based on the African continent. You have the geographical constraints um, because, you know, most some of the biggest festivals, they are in the UK, such as Africa rights, or, and there's also financial constraints and visa restrictions and all yes. of that. So, and, you know, and often in the case of yourself, you might have also gender and racial constraints as well. So how do you um, become successful if you remain on the continent? or Can you become successful? And do you have to move to the West before you can even be considered by a publisher? Um
2: um It helps. To move to the west, i can 't lie. I would like to say no, it doesn't, but I made a choice. you know, I knew what I was doing when I packed my bags and I sold everything I had, and I bought one way ticket with forty pounds, and I landed in Britain. I knew that's where the the uh, the editor the agents are that 's where the publishers are. And that's where the reviewers are, okay? Though my my readers would be back here. And and this is pretty worrying. If you're well-known in the West as an African writer, people in Africa get, get to know you sooner than they get to know someone published on the continent. That is the, a sad fact, okay? So... Um, one of the things that are present in the UA, in in the West that are not here are the facilities. So I arrived in Britain and there were libraries all around me. And in libraries are spaces where you can sit and you're warm and you write. With no one asking you, will you eat books today or are you going to do some chores? <laughs> 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 um That was one thing. But also there are all these outfits. So uh, in Manchester, there was uh, uh, an outfit called uh, Black Writers. They would look for writers that are Black or African and then create a writing group for you. And they would uh, review our writing. And then they would introduce us to people who have made it and who are making it, they would just open these small avenues and they would say, okay, Jackie, uh, Jackie, Jackie, Jackie. No, not Jackie, I see him way. <laughs> Jackie, Jackie, Jackie Roy. No, no, no. I'm talking about Jackie K. Jackie K, who is a British, but black writer, is coming to this place. All of you go. And then go and say, hello, Jackie. You know, we would cause up. So they would get all those black authors because they would be easy, accessible, and we would get to meet them. And somehow, then they get, they start talking about you or things like that, which you don't have here, you know? And then there are organizations which are going to say, okay, we are going, we have this program for unpublished Writers, can you put in your applications we are going to mentor you we'll go I went through all of that and I could not have found those aspects in Uganda I'm sure sooner or later they will start but and that's what you're doing because you were in Britain and you saw how they promote Um, so it's wonderful to see that Goretti is doing that here but I hope that the rich people in this country, it, we could have access to, because the, it's the rich people who, who sponsor and say, okay, I can give you 20 million for 10 authors and you do this and you do that for them. You know, um, when that starts, then things will improve. But that's the reason, most mostly the reason why people travel to the West to make it but that doesn't mean you can't there are some people who are ridiculously talented you know and they they can do it here one time I there was a student who arrived from South Africa and came straight to Lancaster University and I didn't teach him someone else taught him but I marked him and he submitted three short stories and a poem. Now, the poem he added for word count, you know? Because you could see he he had no idea how to write poetry, and he couldn't write poetry to save his life. But my goodness, the stories, I will never forget this manuscript. So I started marking it, and I was like, is this a young man, you know? And when I finished, he would have the the poetry would have brought the manuscript level down. I would have probably given him sixty three because the poetry was so bad. But I, that was not what I was interested in. I was interested in the talent. You know, I was interested in this. I could tell you the stories that he wrote. I remember them. And he is back probably in two thousand and eight. And so I went to his lecturer and I said, okay, this guy is up there, an A plus, and I don't know what to do. Uh, He is talented and he's the kind you need to push to say, go ahead, you can do this. So I have intentionally ignored the poetry and I'm going only to mark him on this. And I gave him an A+. And I was one of the meanest people when it came to Marx. But that was raw talent, straight from Africa, you know? So I'm saying you could be that. Go ahead, write. Write in the dark. We all write in the dark. Whatever you have here, use that. Write your stories. You never know when you're going to catch a break, okay? And if you can keep sending them to agents and insisting. And, you know, there's someone who wrote to my publisher and said, I know Jennifer didn't know me, (laughs) you know, and I know Jennifer will give me a blog if you publish me. And her book was really, really good, you know, and the publisher published it and said, Jennifer, I can show you the email. She said, she knows you. I've never met her. And yeah, I gave her a blog because the book was really good. So, much as there are so many mountains ahead of you, go for it, you know. I, I can tell you that I went. Um, anybody from the British Embassy? No? Okay. So I went to the British Embassy. <laughs> <laughs> um, so when, when I applied for my visa, you know, uh, I told the British Embassy that I was rich. And I I had a husband somewhere in the U.S. who was going to pay for the rest of my fees. And I had a lot of money on my account. I swear to you, I had 60 pounds on me. And I applied for the visa. And I had no idea where I was going to get the money for my master's degree. I arrived on a Friday. Uh, September 27th, 2001. And on Monday, I turned up in class and I registered. Very Ugandan, you know. I registered. I had no money to pay 7225 that I was supposed to pay for my course. I told the university as well, my husband in America is going to pay. <laughs> yeah, and they believed me. Uh, and, and so... <laughs> and so, because my friend told me this is what we do, we are hustlers as Ugandans. So, and she, then she said, You're going to work two jobs. You know, you work two jobs and then you study. And I swear to you, that's what I did. So, you know, don't, you're Ugandan, you're a hustler, <laughs> go for it.
1: Thank you so much, Jennifer. Um, I'd like to go back to, um, we talked about translations earlier and um, I'd said that your books have been translated into five languages, including German, Dutch, Italian, French, and Turkish. And I actually saw the German edition of The First Woman in a bookshop in Germany last week and I made my auntie buy it because I was shocked she hadn't read it. Fantastic. Um, So how important are translations to you as an African writer and how do you work with non-English speaking
2: publishing houses? Okay, um, Being translated into a non-English language is a big deal, really. That's when you know you've made it. Mm -hmm. Um, Because you're not there to escort your novel across the borders, someone took it, or it traveled on its own, and someone thought, this is worth the while because translating is very expensive, you know. So they need to find somebody to translate to you before they do what the rest of uh, the other publishers have done. So it's it is a big deal, but it's one of those weird, most weird things that can happen to you, because somebody comes around and gives you your book, and say that's your book, and the only thing you recognize. Is your name. <laughs> and then you flip through it and you think, mm, God help me. <laughs> There's no, because, for example, in Chintu, um, most of, uh, all these three books, they are Ugandans. I don't know whether they are here. Who got my books looking for mistakes? Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But why? Uh, and, and I like them. It's, and I thank them. I don't know, but they would say, Jennifer. So there was, I made a mistake in Chinto where I called somebody sh- who should have been Odeke, Adeke. And A is for woman, and O. Oh my God, you don't want to see that email, <laughs> you know? Uh, but it wasn't the p- very person who, it was the husband. Oh, okay. Yeah, so the husband wrote to me and said, I'm married to an artist, okay? Mm. And you made a man into a woman. This is exceedingly offensive to us, to my wife. And I, I wrote back and said, thank you. Thank you very much. I'm glad you've written to me because some people are offended, but they are quiet. And I wrote to my publisher and I said, can you change it? So I receive a lot of letters from people, you know, helping me. And and you keep changing. You you keep uh, correcting. But when the book is in another language, that's it. You you know, uh, every new edition that comes out, we change things. But with um, translation, you can't. Whatever the case, I don't mind as long as my book is traveling out there. Now, um, there are some publishers uh, who are translating and are wonderful to work with. Now, there are publishers who, say, who buy your books, they pay you, and you don't hear from them again. And you keep on thinking, okay, how did they translate Luwombo? You know, the the translator hasn't written to you. And then two years later, they send you a book cover. Your book is coming out. Would you mind traveling to talk about it? And you think, I know I've written my books in such a way that they are so very Ugandan. And I know you should have written to me asking questions about, so you could translate it properly, but they do their thing. So you just have to let go, you know? Uh, there's nothing you can do about that. But there is, for example, I can talk about my Dutch uh, translator. My goodness, she's wonderful. You know, she asks every little thing. There's a time when we argued about a gourd. Another time we argued, argued about a sigiri, And he, she kept on saying, no, 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 this is a barbecue stove. <laughs> I said, no, it's a charcoal stove. I said, no, 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 leave it as sigiri. And in the end, I went to Google. I got a sigiri with Matoke Untamu, you know. I I cut it. I pasted it into the email. And I sent it to her. And we have all these arguments and back and forth. But that is because she's hardworking. And I appreciate her. So uh, it's interesting how sometimes publishers can buy your books. And then they don't publish them. Yes. And then you have to remind your agent, what happened to these people? And then he writes to them and they say, oh, we we, will pay you more money because when you sell your books to to translators, they normally buy three years, four years, seven years. But three years can expire before they publish it. And they say, oh, we'll pay for another three years. And they sit on it. You can't sell it. (laughs) to anybody so it's important that when you sell to um uh, international uh, you say book must be published within you know otherwise they will just make sure you know they'll sit on it to make sure nobody in their country buys it but they they are still looking for money to publish it uh so i think that's all i can say to you about working with them
1: Well, thank you. This insight into the publishing industry is fascinating. It's one of those things you don't really know if you're on the outside. So thank you so much for this. Um, And I'd like to continue on the topic of the publishing industry Um, and the UK publishing industry, which is probably the one you're most familiar with. Yes. It is notoriously white. Um, Yes. In 2021, Penguin Random House reported that 95.8% of its team are white. Um, and this lack of diversity is reflected in the types of book t- books that are published mm-hmm. and you know certain faux pas when books discuss non-white characters oh, yeah. um, which all go down to issues of structural racism and i suppose i'd want to know how does one even begin to navigate this as an african writer
2: it it is quite difficult but all i can tell you is that if you sell well you'll get away with murder mm. honestly, you can go in there and say, that is not going to happen, that is not going to happen, and that is not going to happen. And they say, yes, 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 Miss McCombie. And then you go in there and say, I'm not doing that. I'm afraid, Jennifer, we have to do this because this and this and that and that. Okay. However, as I said, um, they are changing. You just have to to be strong, uh, and, but also sometimes the book itself speaks. So for example, there is a, an, a, a commissioning editor from, could I forget the publisher, very big, wanted to publish gentle. But when she read it, she said, it needs changing and editing. And then she said, but I dare not touch a word on it. So I'm not going to publish it. So she read it and she knew it needed changing for her audience. But at the same time, she was aware that if she changed it, she would be in trouble because it had already traveled in, in, in Africa and Africans had said certain things about the book. So she couldn't. So that helped the book to be taken straight from Kenya the way it was edited and hasn't been changed. And remember, they put um the Americans did use a a foreword. And Africans came after them. Say, How dare, how dare you do this to this book, you know? So you there are certain instances where the book itself says, Don't touch me. Uh but there are instances where you as an author can get away with things. Now as a result of that, I have a specific editor in who's white. And that's what I'm drawing to. People can be white, but if they want to, they'll become African, I'm telling you. You know? And they work hard at it. Because I have an editor who has a bank of Luganda words? You won't believe it. She, she's edited all the three books. And so now when I send a book over, she's the one who tells other editors, this means this, if she's done this, this, it, oh, it don't do this or don't do that. But these are white editors, okay? Now, there's one problem with insisting on black editors, Black editors in Britain might not be African culturally, even if they have Nansubuga as their name. You know, they'll tell you, my parents are originally from Uganda, but I was born in Britain. They are not culturally Ugandan. Um, the other thing is, you want the best for your book. And because the The world has, uh, the publishing world has been white for a very long time. If you turn around and say, I need a black editor, they'll get you a black editor. But you have to ask which other books have they edited. So when Black Lives Matter happened, that was my dilemma. I want my books to be edited by the best. But the best are white people, okay? Um, But now what is happening is sensitive reading. So um, uh, they, will, they will find Ugandan readers to read. I it.
1: think, um, could you maybe explain what sensitivity
2: reading is to our audience? Um, so this is where, um, as a writer, you could talk about a subject that is not innately you. Uh, so you have, you are white, but you have a black character. And then you're saying about them blushing you know um so, <laughs> uh, so sometimes they would get somebody who understands that and say okay no maybe this dark person may doesn't lash. lash." um so there's that oh but other times is the, you're arguing with your editor they're saying we can't say this and between you two there's no agreement if a third person comes in and is from your world and says oh this is whatever then there are two of you or there are two of them and you have to give up on that you know so that those are people when a book is finished editing they send it to before they publish it so this is where you find somebody publishes a book and black people come up and say can she called this, she has her eyes, she said chocolate color. She said that and kinky hair, and whatever. You know? You have to do that now, okay? But what we wanted was to start the journey, get black readers and editors into the internships, so that they start to make the journey into so if you are one of those people who who prefer audio books, all my books were read by ugandan yes like my publisher didn't even have to ask me she assembled a group of ugandan uh, the, what was interesting was the person i chose to read the first woman was from the north oh yeah she was, I, because they send you videos, you know, rather, rather audios and, uh, with them reading bits of it. Yeah. And the best person came from the north. And I was there laughing with myself because, you know, this is from Buganda. And I had three Buganda. I absolutely couldn't pronounce my name to save me. And, so, and the northern, yes. Were they Ugandans based in Uganda or British Ugandans? They were British Ugandans. But, uh, well, they were based in Britain. I don't know whether they were British. But um, the best reader was from, from the north. And then the best reader for Chintu was put in the short stories. Ah,
1: okay. Yes.
2: And I, I had to tell them, look, this is a male voice. And it sounds, because this is a very masculinist, and the narrator sounds very male. They said, this person will do the story. So it's it's that sort of thing. You know, when we ask for black or white or African, there it's not straightforward that it, a black person will be the best for your book.
0: Dear listeners, today we've had an incredible discussion. But hold on tight because the excitement does not end here. In our next episode, we'll be delving deeper into the crafting and honing of your writing skills. Get ready to uncover fascinating insights, explore expert opinions from Jennifer Makumbi and gain a new perspective. Trust me, you won't want to miss it. So mark your calendars and make sure to tune in for our upcoming episode. It's going to be an enlightening journey you won't want to miss.